What's up, everybody? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Thursday, March 12th, 2020. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside the OK Beast Blessing, Eddie Oye Junior. It's getting rough out there, Greg. <laughs> You're telling me, brother. Are you kidding me? Dude, the last 24 hours have been a ride on Twitter. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great. I mean, <laughs> personally... Man, the world's fucked, but I yeah, am good. I personally am doing very healthy, and I'm very good. Yeah. Um, I, I did have a moment while driving to work this morning where the route I usually take started looking a lot like the road from the beginning of The Walking Dead, uh, Telltale's okay. uh, uh, game, where it's like Lee in the backseat yeah, being yeah, taken yeah. by the police officer. Yeah, I start, yeah. Like, the road I took started looking a lot like that road, and I was like, huh. I wonder, I wonder the ways in which this What are go. you seeing out there on the roads? Less traffic? More traffic? Same? Would you know something? Because I've heard people who are like in LA are like, oh man, the four the f- four or five is empty. I feel like for <clears> me, <throat> traffic changes on every given day. So there wasn't yeah. much traffic today, but I don't think that was like an actual like pandemic thing. I think sure, that was yeah, just yeah. like, just a thir- Thursday, right? Just a Thursday morning. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just a normal ass Thursday. Yeah. yeah. What about yeah. you? Have you noticed, have you noticed anything? No, I, uh, the only, you know, uh, uh, passing observations i've made is certain restaurants will be sparse sparsely yeah. populated you that's know what one I mean? thing i noticed is i forget if i said this on the show or before the show yesterday but like the the chinese food place i usually go to was like closed the other day when i wanted to go get food and i didn't mm. know if that was mm. related to like them losing out on business because of the virus or yeah. if that was just them taking a break or whatever it was either way i was like bummed to see it because i was like yo that that sucks if this is what, like, not put them out of business, but sure. it's caused them to, to close well, Tim down had told, in the meantime. Tim had mentioned a story, you know, uh, he, here in SF, obviously, uh, pretty much everything's a local business, with the exception of Starbucks yeah. or whatever, but most restaurants uh, to that effect. And that they love going to this place called The Swamp. You've been. You, right, where they give you, like, a bag of shrimp and, like, no. corn on the cob and sausage in there, you know? there. Oh, it's great. You should go. Um, he went. He popped in over there. Like, like This is early on in these days of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and popped in there, and it was dead, and it's usually popping. And the owner came over, like, oh, man, I haven't seen you guys in a while. And he's and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, you've been busy. What's going on? And, oh, he's like, oh, it's been dead because of this coronavirus. Really? Thing. Like, people just aren't coming into it. Dang yeah, dude. yeah, Because everybody's, like, worried about, you know, little things here and there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see, though. We'll Video see. games are still happening, in, in a way. In a way, not in the normal way. Yeah, in you a weird I mean? way, but they're, they're, they're still going on. Yeah, Last of Us Two is probably still going to come out the same. Well, day. we're going to talk about that, of course. Yeah, we will. You know what I mean? Because guess what? Jason Trier says Crunch is still happening over there. CD Projekt Red's uh, next game is uh, already talking about their next next game, and then Kotaku's got a new review solution that I find interesting. We're going to talk about all this and more because this is kind of funny games daily. Each and every weekday on a variety of platforms, we run you through the nerdy video game news you need to know about. If you like that, be part of the show. Patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames. You can give us your questions, comments, concerns, your squad up requests, and everything under the video game sun. Of course, at Patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames, you can get the show ad-free along with the exclusive bonus daily post show. That's right. Even more for your buck over there. But if you have no bucks to give us, no big deal. You can go to twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames. Watch us record the show live. If you're watching live, you have a special job. Go to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. Tell us what we screw up as we screw it up so we can set the record straight for everybody watching later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames, roosterteeth.com, and listening on podcast services around the globe. Housekeeping for you. Thank you to our Patreon producers, Mohammed, Mohammed, Momo. Momo. Yeah. yeah, I like that a lot. Uh, Drew, uh, it was that thing yesterday. Mohammed, Mohammed was a uh, sponsor in uh, Screencast as well. Mm-hmm. And when I, they said Mohammed, Mohammed, I said Momo, and no one else said anything. I was <laughs> really? like, did I get that wrong? Is that not? The, I thought that was the name blessing gave him. Uh, Drew Garnier Frutis, Blackjack, and the kind of funny Destiny Two PC clan. Today we're brought to you by Upstart, Mint Mobile, and Brooklinen. But I'll tell you about that later. For now. 
Let's begin the show with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. <laughs> Time for some news. Five items on the Roper Report. A baker's dozen. Number one, CD Project Red's next game might be The Witcher, but it ain't going to be The Witcher 4. This is Robert Purchase over at Eurogamer. CD Project CEO Adam Sazinski uh, has said, the company is already working on a single-player game to follow Cyberpunk 2077, which will be released this September. Uh, this, I'm sorry, it will not be The Witcher 4, he clarified, but it may be a Witcher game. Quote, we've been working on a next single-player game already, creating a clear concept that waits for further development, uh, Kaczynski told Financial Types at a Polish conference, translated translation kindly provided by Daniel Klozinski. Quote, it's already working, but we don't want to commit to it yet. We'll start working on this next game right after Cyberpunk 2077. I already said there will be no Witcher 4, he added. I clearly said that Witcher was a trilogy. Simultaneously, we've always emphasized that we want to create Witcher games and the agreement with Mr. Sapkowski uh, confirmed our rights. We have two worlds, and we want to create games in those two worlds, he, uh, Kaczynski added. Uh, that's why all planned games are either Witcher or Cyberpunk. Uh, there's more to it, obviously. They, yeah. you know, they're a great write-up from Eurogamer, of course, uh, talking about, you know, he drops in Mr. Sapkowski. Yeah. The writer of the Witcher books, who, of course, got a raw deal on the games by his own accord when he oh, was yeah. like, these games aren't ever going to sell. Give me a lump sum now. And then they went huge, and then they've renegotiated since then mm -hmm. and done a bunch of different things since then. So they can still use Witcher stuff, but maybe not Geralt. How would you feel, Blessing, to get a Witcher game that has nothing to do with Geralt? I mean, I'm not the biggest Witcher person. I played a lot of The Witcher 3. I probably played around like 20 hours, but I never finished it. So Which I don't... is nothing in The Witcher 3. Yeah, right. right? Yeah. Like I, I got to, I think, where you had to find Dandelion. And Jesus. I was just, yeah, and I was just like, no, no more. <laughs> I yeah, can't yeah, do yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, I, I, so I never actually really knew where the story kind of left off with Geralt. Yeah. Um, I don't know where the story kind of goes with Ciri and the, and the other characters in the game, but I could, I could easily see them pivoting and going, um, depending on how things left off, right? Doing a game focused on Ciri or any other character in The Witcher. In well, the that's Witcher the thing, world. right? That's such a diverse, crazy universe they've built, right? And granted, yeah. you know, off the back of the, the, the book series now with what's happening on Netflix, you know, ways to inspire and do different things. Uh, I think the more fans you bring into that, honestly, a fresh start for that would do really well. Now, granted, I say really well, you are going to get the people who are super in the Netflix show being like, wait, where's Geralt? That's who I want to be. Yeah. That's what I want to do. But I also think giving somebody a new jumping on point would be super exciting. It's yeah. one of the reasons I'm so excited for Cyberpunk is that that feels like my your the viewer's world right that mm -hmm. you're gonna be able to go in there and not be tied down by well i know what Geralt did in the books or i know that in the past two games he's done these two and he has this relationship mm -hmm. already with tris i love the idea of going into an rpg like that and deciding those relationships myself letting the stories play out and the threads play out the yeah. way they do and i think i will say about witcher is that i really do like the world the world of the witcher i'm not the biggest high fantasy person like mm -hmm. i like some mm -hmm. fantasy like i like harry potter i like zelda i like I like fantasy up to a certain point. Once you get into sure. like high fantasy, once you get into the Lord of the Rings and yeah. you know Skyrim, I liked fine. But I, I'm once you get into that territory, I kind of fall off a bit. I think Witcher though, the ways in which they kind of play around with with the rules of high fantasy and, and create an interesting world, I find more interesting to me than other attempts at it. Sure. And so I would be totally down for a Witcher that is from the ground up, kind of fresh and not focused on Geralt, and even like create a whole new character to focus on. Like, oh, I'd, totally. Yeah. I'd be totally down with that. And the same idea that yeah, Cyberpunk is fun to it. It's it's going to be fun to jump into Cyberpunk from the from the standpoint of it's going to be a ground up story. I'm gonna I'm going to come from the ground floor with this character and experience this world from its start. 
the idea that they can do that with, with The Witcher, I think, is really exciting. And I think CD Projekt Red, them having... With them showing so much success with The Witcher already, I trust them to like, you know, create a new story in this world that isn't focused on Geralt. Oh, totally. I think they get it, right? Yeah. I think their commitment to single-player games obviously now seems like a slam dunk, but even when they were doing that with The Witcher 3, that was in the midst of single-player games are dying. Why would you do this? Yeah. You have to charge out the butt and have all these microtransactions, to which they said no, mm-hmm. right? And put a thank you letter to their fans in and gave away a year of DLC or whatever, and everybody's like, this is amazing. How do you feel about how open CD Projekt Red is with their development? Because they did this with Cyberpunk also when they're on the verge of, of releasing The Witcher 3. That's around, I believe, when they announced Cyberpunk was coming. Yeah. I feel like for them, they are way more open than most developers when it comes to their development cycle and what they're working on next and yeah. getting ahead of, hey, yeah, as we're releasing this game, just so you know, our next project is probably going to be something like this. Do you like that approach? Because I know there's like been sort of like a back and forth of how early is too early or how late is too late to announce your project or like should you or should you be all the way open or should you be all the way closed? Yeah, yeah. I love this approach. I think this this is what a modern AAA studio looks like, a modern, tri- modern tri- AAA developer looks like. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is that The Witcher 3 was CD Projekt Red's coming out party. That was their stamp. That was their moment of planting their flag and be like, we're a fucking full-blown studio. And everybody going nuts for that game, right? In a way, they didn't go for Witcher 1 or Witcher 2. And so I think what they got to do with that was bring what would define or be uh, practiced is practiced by smaller double-A studios, smaller independent developers, smaller groups that, you know, like right now if you went and signed up to a myriad of Patreons for independent developers, Mm -hmm. you'd get even more clarity than CD Projekt Red, right? You get too much to an extent of like, all right, I I don't care what you had for lunch kind of thing. Yeah. Um, You figure when you get to somebody like Naughty Dog, when you get to somebody like Bioware, when you get to these companies that are the names in AAA game development, right? However, they are owned by a parent company. They have been around for so long. There's so many moving parts to that machine that they know how hard it is to get a message out. And that's why you don't see messages get out from those people so often. Mm -hmm. And I think with CD Projekt Red, you have this company that is this ragtag group that nobody believed in, but they pulled it off. And then Witcher 3 came out and was the right game at the right moment that put them on the map in a way they had never been on the map before. Mm -hmm. And now they continue that goodwill. And I think they're one of those developers that I, I think of in the same way as a successful online personality or online company like us or whatever, right? Where it is that when they do fuck up, right? When they do uh, put out uh, cyberpunk art, right? In the back, there's something and people are like, wait, is that transphobic? And yada, yada. Like, there is a conversation that yeah, they can have with it that actually solves the problem or makes their point clear or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, they're able to sit there and talk to the audience and the audience that cares in a way the audience can talk back to them and they can have a conversation. And whether at the end of the conversation everybody's happy is a different story, yeah. but it's a thing that you don't see with Naughty Dog, like right? They, f- they found aut- autonomy, right? right? Being so successful with the Witcher series and not being owned by a big publisher and them kind of being their, their own thing. They can kind of operate how they want to yeah. and communicate with their audience how they want to. Exactly, and they, they've instead of you know having that thrust on them late in the game they've had that from the beginning so as they've gotten bigger right as they've become a truly large corporate or large developer right yeah they've still kept that mantra that they can talk about these things and they can express this and i think to the audience that pays attention to their games to this level they get it right of like they're talking about yeah maybe it's going to be the witcher like right in here he's talking about we're working on something will it see the light of day who knows you know what i mean it is one of these conversations mm-hmm. that yeah it's already working but we don't know, we don't want to commit to it yet we'll start working on this game after cyberpunk yeah. like that's all you have to say 
And then it is this idea. And like, we've seen people flirt with that idea before, right? Like I remember back at IGN covering uh, Herman Hulse when he was in town for GDC at a talk, talking about the three different games they were working on, right? And being very vague about them and how they had done it. And it, now I'm totally out on a limb here, I forget, but I, one of them was the next kill zone. One of them would turn out to be Horizon. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the third ever actually happened. Okay. And I, but I could be wrong, kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong on that one, stuff like that. Hmm. I think uh, you're able to see something special with a studio that goes from having an audience having i'm not trying to take away from witcher one and two clearly they had a fan base clearly they were good but they weren't like this like yeah witcher three definitely blew up to a certain extent right now like the anticipation for like cyberpunk everybody's looking at it as one of the biggest games of the year like in like the top two biggest games of the year if not the top one biggest game of the year and so that is definitely a a step up that's a different level of pressure than what the witcher 2 would have had coming. yeah and even uh, different from the witcher 3 because witcher 3 people were very excited for but i feel like it wasn't until after witcher 3 came out to where everybody was like oh yeah cd project red is top tier developer right like we look at them of that ilk now yeah i i find it also interesting that uh they're talking about Going back back and forth between these two game worlds and be, these two worlds being the 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 worlds they want to create games in. I wonder how long that sticks because I that would then mean yeah the next game would be Witcher. You assume they they bounce back to Cyberpunk in the similar yeah. way that we see Rockstar bouncing back back and forth from Grand Theft Auto to Red, Red Dead. Dead yeah. Same thing with like um, Bethesda where they're, they they bounce back and forth from Elder Scrolls to uh, Fallout. Yeah. At what point is it like okay we're gonna make our Starfield now like we're gonna branch out we're done with these two worlds? Do you think that's like PS6, like, do you think that's far out, or do you think, like... I, think, I mean, it depends right now on how well Cyberpunk will do for them, which I think it's going to do mm-hmm. incredibly fucking well. I think it'll be bigger than The Witcher. Like, I think that's part of it, I think, in terms of where they go. Um, I do think, though, like, even having accomplished what they accomplished which, with Witcher 3, right, and putting on the map for everybody, because in, in the kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong, Booyah says, and this is just his opinion as well, mm-hmm. the prior Witcher games were huge. They were just always exclusive to certain platforms, but on PC. It, but on PC, it was as huge as it is now. Literally, that's it, that doesn't work. If it's yeah. as huge as it is on PC now, it's is equally, if not more, huge on Xbox and PlayStation. All this. I'm talking about how the general public now knows what the fuck The Witcher is. Yeah. Whereas I think if you would have in the lead up to Witcher Two asked G- J- anybody reading IGN, you yeah, would have got a very mixed Witcher. opinion. Yeah. Of like, like, I, don't I wouldn't know have been able is. to tell you much about The Witcher right. during the time of Witcher Two. But I'll, I think that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'll just say also like you have the Netflix Witcher series, which yeah. uh, references a scene from Witcher Three of him in the bathtub and stuff. Like you know there. There's, it's hit a certain level now, the Witcher IP. Sure, of pop culture, yeah. Of pop culture and elevation since the earlier games. And that that's I think is, more than anything, I think, one of the main reasons they don't want to walk away from The Witcher right now. Yeah. Is that it's it is too that big. It feels like, I'm sure they were like, Witcher 3 out, we've completed the trilogy, we did what we wanted, that's awesome. And as you see it get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and mm-hmm. sell merch and sell necklaces and sell this and make a Netflix, and, and yeah. granted, I know it's off the book too. But I mean, as you see this movement, you've got to be looking at it like, fuck, we've made two other games like this and people didn't even get to play them the a majority of people didn't get to play them mm-hmm. now what do, we, what do we do with this we yeah have, we're in this moment we're on this wave where this ip means more than ever before and it's the thing that people and it's not want. a money thing as much as like we've learned so much we want to make cool shit yeah and it's the thing that people are people are going to be asking for right witcher 3 was so many people's first witcher and people want people want more of that and four years from now however long it takes for them to make a new witcher game like people are going to be starving and ready for it and it's going to have as much hype as cyberpunk has right now yeah and so i could I, I could see that being very much a reason for them wanting to return to it or feeling like they need to return to it yeah i also find it interesting that this then means they have Cyberpunk coming out this fall. There's also a Cyberpunk multiplayer game that they've talked about 
yeah, that yeah. is on the is horizon. It a, is, is it a game itself or is it a mode? I can't. I, is I it, can't remember. I, I thought s- it was a mode that they're working on. I feel for like this. it might have started off as a mode, but okay. maybe, maybe kind of funny.com slash you're wrong, but maybe evolved into its own game because it's definitely not coming out this fall. No, with, that for sure yeah, isn't that's happening. Not happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm curious on on how big that is if it's its own thing but then no yeah. look at that i'm fucking dead dead ass wrong from newsweek <laughs> currently codenamed cyberpunk multiplayer the game isn't a multiplayer mode for cyberpunk 2077 but an entirely sorry an entirely separate entity yeah and so then they have that then they have this new witcher game i wonder like what that team structure looks like if it's a thing where you know they have a small team working on multiplayer right now and then after cyberpunk comes out then the whole cyberpunk team moves on to that yeah. while they're still developing the witcher with it like i, I wonder how all that kind of rotates and how we like where we can realistically expect these games to come out because yeah. four years for witcher like i can see it because what witcher 3 came out in 2015, 2015 so that's five years for for cyberpunk like it's not out of the question that we get a witcher with a witcher game in four years but I'm, I'm curious to see. I don't how think long. you will. Yeah, I really? think it'll take longer. I think it'll take a little bit longer, especially if you're putting a new character in there and new things. Yeah, and new everything. But I mean, if you already are working on it. Uh, for the record, The Verge has an article September fourth, two thousand nineteen. CD CD Project Red's upcoming epic Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven will in fact have a multiplayer component, though it sounds like it will be some time before you're able to play it. Today, the developer confirmed that a multiplayer mode for the game will be available after launch next April. Okay. Obviously, an updated story. So yeah, as usual. Wait, so which one was the latest one? This is why it's like the late as far as you know right now it's yeah, a yeah, yeah. so that's that's September for that one the mm-hmm. Newsweek article was January bo- of this year okay because I've January heard of this things. year they say yeah I've heard both things be said and so I didn't know if it was this thing where it started off as a mode and then evolved into its own game or what but Cyberpunk this is the Newsweek article again uh, CD Projekt Red ensured investors Thursday that their recently announced release date delay would be the game's last before offering an update on the follow-up to the game, a AAA cyberpunk multiplayer game, temporarily titled Cyberpunk Multiplayer. So it looks like the mode evolved from September into January into its own thing. Okay. Did you also see the news? I think this came out of the same interview with Kaczynski that uh, they they came out and announced like, when the embargo is and all that stuff and how early reviewers are going to get the copies. I- they're very open about that. Can you, seems like. Yeah, I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna it. keep reading this Newsweek article. Find that for me, because Tim turned to me yesterday and was like, "Man, crazy how open CD Projekt Red's yeah. been." And I was like, "Yeah, about this next Witcher game." And he's like, "What? I didn't hear about that." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, "Oh, this review thing." I'm like, "I." Could, uh, and then this morning, I looked around for it. I did not see it. Really? Going okay. back to this Newsweek article, who? Let me give credit to the writer here, Andrew Whalen. Uh, Andrew Whalen has the, this more to say. While Cyberpunk 2077 will be a single player RPG, a separate multiplayer release is expected in 2022. Currently, code named cyberpunk multiplayer the game isn't a multiplayer mode for cyberpunk 2077 but an entirely separate entity quote in terms of multiplayer one thing we want we need to make clear is that the triple a release we're working on in parallel to cyberpunk 2077 is cyberpunk multiplayer uh, the investor or the person from cd project red said given the expected release of cyberpunk 2077 in september and the series of events uh which we expect to occur after that date 2021 appears unlikely as the release date for cyberpunk multiplayer the release date of cyberpunk multiplayer will probably move beyond 2021 kaczynski suggested uh little else has been announced about cyberpunk multiplayer so it's as yet unclear whether the game will be set in night city world of 2022 or uh, have a completely different setting inspired by the cyberpunk tabletop role-playing game. So, so it looks like, according to Newsweek, cyberpunk multiplayer is its own thing. So this comes from Daniel Ahmad, 
who we trust for we the most trust. part, but I don't know where for he's getting part. this. Yeah, but, but we don't know where he's getting this. I don't know where he's getting this information. But he says, he tweets, CD Projekt Red provided some comments to journalists recently, a summary of all the main points. Cyberpunk is still on track for September, has been submitted to age rating agencies. Uh, they don't expect COVID-19 to impact the game's development, but it's too early to, fo- to fully comment on the impact. Reviewers will get the game weeks before the release date, with embargo set for the weekend prior to release. And then pre-orders for Cyberpunk Cyberpunk are higher than Witcher 3 at the same point. And this was 17 hours ago. Okay. So, so that must be from the same Kaczynski stuff. It just didn't get written up in these articles, and I yeah. couldn't find that in a headline anywhere. And then, yeah, Games Radar also has a, a thing up here from January as well, which must have been another call for CD Projekt Red. Cyberpunk 2077 multiplayer is its own AAA project and probably won't be here until 2022. So we can put that to bed. Yeah, put that baby to bed. And the way that Daniel also um, phrases in a different tweet here is that a third team will work on a new single-player title, uh, four-year development time assumed, high-quality RPG. And so it seems like they have three teams rotating around doing things. Okay. So they're busy over there. Yeah. As usual. Uh, one more you're wrong just to get out of the way. Kevin's ass sweat wrote in and said Cyberpunk Jesus. is a well-known series. <laughs> Cyberpunk is a well-known series including games and books just like The Witcher. Sorry if we misspoke and made it seem like that wasn't the case. Obviously, yeah. the Cyberpunk uh, tabletop game's huge, I know. Yeah. Different year. I, I think that's because we're talking about the growth of Witcher from since Witcher 2. But yeah. So, or, uh, I see where it is. And I was talking about how this game you get to enter and be your own character and do your own thing. Yeah. And, and not, I'm not anchored by Geralt, right? Because Geralt's an existing character in all these different things. In this one, 2077, mm-hmm. at least for me, I, coming into this game, I'm making it my own character. I'm not sure if V has ever appeared before. No, I believe V. I, I'm I not thought, even going to comment on yeah, that. Yeah, that's the no thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, knowing nothing about it, right? Keanu Reeves' uh, character existed before uh, this game. That's correct. I didn't Which know that. That's really cool. What's his name? Metal Arms? Johnny Touchdown or uh, something. Like Johnny Silverhand. Johnny Silverhand. There you go. <laughs> Little yeah, arms. Yeah. <laughs> Little arms? <laughs> Johnny T-Rex arms. Uh, number two. Kotaku's compensating reviewers with time off. This is Steven Satillo at Kotaku, who wrote a very lovely uh, letter, basically, from the editor here that I have hack-jobbed. So you should go read the rest if you want more context. Because it's even what I'm going to read is long, but the letter is longer itself. I digress. Steven goes. We've informally done this for a while, but we recently officially committed to a plan at Kotaku to give staff who play a game after hours for a deadline, usually for a game review, time off in exchange. Playing a game for a review is labor, pure and simple. It is too easy to lose sight of that. Sure, it sounds fun and often is, but it can also be a grind and consume an incredible amount of time. Work is work, and we should always recognize it as such, even if the work involves playing Animal Crossing before it's out or being among the first to dive into an exciting new JRPG. One of the biggest yet most mundane challenges game journalists and critics face is the time commitment necessary to cover games well. It creates immense difficulties in terms of allocating people's people and resources. It's also a big part of the gig. Giving people time off after a review doesn't alleviate that, but it's the right thing to do. It's inevitable that Kotaku and other outlets wind up depending on reviewers playing games into the night or across weekends. Game publishers and developers may send us review copies days before release, but that doesn't mean we can just glide through the game and comfortably write a review or other coverage of a game without some significant extension of the workday. I've always tried to spot when a staffer is ground down by the added hours uh, they need to put in to write a review and have offered time off, but why wait for that? It should be automatic. Assign a game for review, anticipate how long it'll take to play, and plan a day or two off to compensate. I worry that not treating deadline-driven gaming as work can make a game's length, mediocrity, or poor quality feel like more of a personal aggravation than it should be. It also risks blurring already blurry lines about work-life balance. Uh, I've been there. 
fuming that a game I'm reviewing isn't over yet and feeling uh, what should be my non-work time vanishing. I've stressed over how to fit a 60-hour 60 60 hour games into my life on top of full-time games media day job. It shouldn't be so fraught. All this said, our reviewers are pro. Pro, sorry. I've never sensed that the stress of reviewing has impacted their take on a game, but I've seen it tire them. We've tried to reactive. We've tried to. Be, we've been reactive to that. Finally, we're getting ahead of it. Playing games for oh, playing get, get games for deadline is work and silly. Wait, hold on. Let me do this all again. Playing games for deadline is work, and silly as that may sound to some, Lord knows we have bigger problems in the world that need fixing. I'll make sure we always treat it as such. That's best for the reviewers and is, I hope, what the readers would also want. Blessing. Yes. What's your take? I think that's awesome. That's that's, That's really cool. And it's one of those things where I feel like as an audience, it's kind of hard to grasp the balance of playing a game for review and what that time looks like. I know yeah. for OKB's Far Star working kind of funny when uh it came when the conversation came came up of do we do video game reviews or not? I was always like, "Hey, let's just not do video game reviews because those take so much time." Sure. Right? Like you got to sit down, beat a game before a deadline or be depending on whatever the embargo is, right? You have like a certain amount of time to beat a game and then you you write a whole thing about the game or re- record a podcast about the game or do whatever it may be. And that takes a lot of time, especially yeah. for games that are 60 hours long. Right, like that is a gargantuan task. Like, like work weeks are typically what forty hours. That's and supposed so, to be, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and so like, you know, that's a that's a whole whole work week plus a work week and a half basically. Um, and so the idea that yeah they want to compensate with uh, PTO, like I mean I think that's awesome. I know for I, working here has been pretty cool because for Ori, which has been like my first like embargoed review that I've done for kind of funny, it was. A blessing to be able to be like, hey, hey. <laughs> yeah. It was a blessing to be able to be like, uh, was it Tuesday where I wasn't on any shows during the day, so I was yeah. able to text you and be like, hey, you know, I'm not on any shows. I have Ori to finish. Can I work from home and, and beat Ori during the day? And you're like, yeah, cool. Um, and that worked out, right? Which is which is a very I think unique position to have in the games media space because sure. most, most people aren't going to have that flexibility, especially if you're working for a site like Kotaku or IGN or GameSpot where you are writing reviews and and uh, having to do your daily duties every day while getting this review done. Um, any way to, to compensate for that, I think, helps. I saw a tweet from Alana Pierce where she was talking about how uh, she quote tweeted this statement and was like, hey, yeah, this is awesome. I know for IGN, like whenever Walking Dead would come out uh, or a Telltale game would come out for episodes, we would have to review them over the weekend because they would always give, give it to us on or give them to us on Fridays, yeah. which meant working over the weekend. And so IGN would compensate me with a week off at the end of that uh, so I can go f- visit my family in Australia. And I think doing things like that and finding ways to compensate workers and uh, make sure that that balance feels healthy, yeah. I, I think is a good thing. Yeah, no, it's great, and it's cool to see it uh, put in writing. Like, I would, yeah, like to hope around here, obviously, and I know you're just getting started, but the idea is that, you know, it, I, or it kind of funny, actually, and it's kind of funny, right, the idea is if you're getting your work done, like, take all the time off in the world you want, right? And when you are at, at wit's end or you do want to take a vacation, you know, we don't bust balls, we don't count dates, we don't, like, make you clock in, clock out kind of thing. We want you to take care of yourself and go do it. And so, yeah, like, you're, you're I, I like walking by your desk and seeing you play games because it reminds me so much of 2007 when I started. Mm-hmm. And, like, I could play games at my desk. But I was, I remember... You know, the longer you stick around a place, the more responsibilities you get. The more the job become uh, not not uh, the more the job evolves, right, and yeah. becomes different. And I remember 
how at IGN I did not re- I review games, but I wasn't playing them at work, right? I had a, I was on a podcast, I was on a video, I was doing this thing, I was running around, I was trying to answer emails. Like I wasn't playing the game for review I needed to, so I needed to start booking time out. But then even then, it would be go home and play, you know, from six to midnight, go to bed, wake up, go to work, do it again, and come back. Yeah, and it was a similar thing at IGN to their credit for me too, where it was that. IGN, you know, had 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 at the time corporate overlords does still, you know, is part mm. has owners. But when I was there, the way it worked with your EIC or whoever your uh, your boss was was very much like, cool, yeah, you're busting your ass, go ahead. Like I, I'm gonna take Friday off. All right, cool. Don't put in a day. Like sit on the. You can sit on your PTO days. Like we understand that you you went above and beyond. You mm. you know you get a comp day basically for working out packs for four days and coming back and not having a Monday or a weekend. Go ahead and take a couple days off. Yeah. Like usually people do it really well, but of course, obviously, I think you run into that thing as if it's not expressed publicly. Is it real? Is that a real thing that everybody knows? Right. It's the same thing of we know we'll talk about crunch here and required reading with Jason Shire's article, but even say, you know not putting the gun to somebody's head and saying you have to work here all night long right you have to say to nine or whatever is one thing but when the boss doesn't leave or doesn't take time off or whatever right then there there is that optics issue of people looking at that and be like well if he doesn't do it or they don't do it why mm. why should i not do it you know what i mean yeah and yeah. i'll probably a lot a lot of people are probably like hearing this new story <laughs> and they're probably like like these are video games like you know totally these are these are hobbies but at the same time like half the games we've played for the PS Love You segment, the 104 games ranked. Yeah. I'd say probably half the games I've played for that segment were probably bad games. And playing bad games for your job is work. Oh, totally. <laughs> like like that. I mean, it's not like <laughs> it's not like hard work, right? It's not like I'm lifting something. We or, are, like, exactly. Putting, we know but, many of you are listening, doing real manual yeah, labor, doing, like, real act, different like, jobs. Actual, but, actual yeah, work. Yeah, yeah. but it is one of those things where it's like I don't like. When I'm playing bad games, I'm like, I don't want to play this, and, but I'm doing it because I want to be able to do my job well. And that's the thing. Like I always talk about you know, when I started at IGN and we reviewed everything, and I reviewed games I should have never reviewed because mm-hmm. I had no background in them and I didn't like that genre to begin with. But it was the, it, the idea of what you're talking about. of being, I'll never forget Valhalla Nights 2 on PSP. Being home on a Saturday, and it was a giant JRPG, right? That I need, or it was, yeah, it was giant. It was a giant RPG. I think, I'm pretty sure it was JRPG. Mm-hmm. And I had to sit there for like, my entire Saturday and Sunday playing this thing. And I remember hating it because it was, I want to play something else. Yeah. Right. I want to do whatever. Like, you know, now it's fun that we're, you know, diversifying reviews enough. Ori in the blind or Ori in the Will of the Wisp review up right now. Yeah. YouTube.com slash kind of funny. Is it not because we're having pod- I just refreshed here. I'm playing it on my site. Okay. I, I, Barrett, is I it good? came in, deleted the original that YouTube decided to eat for no apparent reason. This isn't our fault. YouTube sucks. Yep. They've been fucking with our uploads a lot this last week. So, right. yeah, it's re-uploaded. It's good. Gamescast is live. Go get Will of the Wisps yeah. and watch that. Uh, a great crew of uh, characters, right? It's uh, Tim, Blessing, Imran, and Snowbike Mike talking yeah. about it. But, not, like, as we are, we have such a nice pool of people playing stuff, right? Like, I'm in a similar thing right now where, first off, it's like an embarrassment of riches, all the games we have right now, yeah. right? <laughs> and so, but it's this thing of, like, there's, like, I don't need to be on the next big review that we're doing mm-hmm. or whatever. And so I was like... I want to just play the division. I'm like, I'm just gonna play the division, and like yeah. maybe this weekend I'll try the other games and I'll get into them and see what happens. But if not, we have people who are playing the other thing, and I don't need to play. Yeah, the and that, that's like Ori playing Ori over the weekend. What I, I started to get that feeling of like, man, 
I wish I was doing something else because Ori, fantastic game. Yeah. But Ori also gets difficult in certain certain places. Sure. And, and you want to take time off. You want to walk away from it. Yeah. You want to you want to walk away from it. You want to come back to it. And playing that game in in long stretches, there are places where you get stuck because the game has a lot of puzzles and and yeah. has a lot of like environmental exploration and and um you kind of have to take your time to figure out what is going on. How do I get to, get to the next part of this game? Yeah. That can get very frustrating when you are stuck in a moment for an hour and you and you're playing that game on a deadline that takes out all the that takes totally. all the fun out of it the amount of games i've done for reviews where yeah you're everything's going you're doing great and you hit a wall yeah and you're like what the fuck am i supposed to do it becomes so much more aggravating because yeah. it is that thing of i only have four hours set aside tonight i don't have time to waste i've had that yeah. conversation in my head so many different times and i think that's one of the things i bolded in totillo's uh, uh article or letter to here which again you should go read because there's even more to it uh i bold this i worry that not treating deadline driven gaming as work can make a game's length mediocrity or poor quality feel like more of a personal aggravation than it should be yeah it also risks blurring the already blurry lines between work-life balance throughout the work-life ba- balance part Treating deadline-driven work, not doing it, I'm sorry, not treating it as work can make the game's length, mediocrity, or poor quality feel more aggravating than usual. For me, that encapsulates what I think we saw with Days Gone. Mm -hmm. Where, again, I don't think Days Gone is a bad game. I think it's a mediocre game from when we reviewed and stuff. And Mm -hmm. everybody's always like, it's been patched, it's done this. I'm like, yes, but my problem was that I ran into the same bandit camp every time and I and when I discovered I didn't need to shoot them if I ran up on them they didn't shoot me fast enough their animations were canned I could just beat everybody up with the uh, like whatever table leg with the buzzsaw blade in it right like that mediocrity I felt was compounded by the fact that I had to do it over and over and over and over again Mm -hmm. in a a weekend stretch to get that and talking to other reviewers it felt like that as well where it was that how is this game not over yet yeah you'd you'd get to what you thought the ending was and it wasn't the ending like holy fucking shit it's 50 hours of this uh i remember that feeling and it's i I keep talking about how what an awesome interesting case study days gone is where the reviews were all like that but then it seems like the majority of players who are vocal about it Mm -hmm. are really dug that game right yeah and i wonder if it was that if you could play days gone at your own pace and just put in an hour or two here and there and do whatever you want you're just having fun in this sandbox world and getting new gadgets and new weapons and exploring and killing freakers Mm -hmm. interesting that i think that there is something to be said for that i don't know if a day off does that because there is still a what the fuck yeah you're still in a deadline but that's always the interesting thing about game reviews that are done like that is like even if it is like all right well cool it made the game's weak points stand out more well there's still weak points and even though it's condensed and i've seen it in i've seen 50 hours in 100 hours right if that makes sense i've seen 50 hours in what was 100 hours rather than 50 hours in three months of time yeah. Those are still the problems, and that still should be rated that way. And you can still have, you know, Tim's always swimming in sevens. You can still have fun with a game that's yeah. just good, that's just okay. For sure. I digress. Number three. Let's talk about Good Guy Discord. They put out this statement on their Twitter. In light of COVID-19, we're temporarily upping the go live streaming and screen share limit from 10 to 50 people for the next few months. We know a lot of you around the world are currently using Discord to keep in touch and perform daily tasks from keeping up with classes to working from home. We want to help make your world a little less stressful. We'll keep this up, this limit up uh, while it's most critically needed. Please have patience with us and perf- as performance issues may arise in streams with a large number of people. That's awesome. Great stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think Discord is one of those I don't use it because I don't play 
multiplayer yeah. games that way. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I also just don't like I have enough message boards and things. And every time I go in there, I'm confused because I'm an old person with technology. Yeah, I use it mainly for to, like to socialize with people. I know yeah. for uh, when I was doing with OK Beats for kind of funny, right? That was like a good place for our, our community to kind of come together and just whenever there'd be video game news, people would share it in there and talk about it yeah. and have a good time. And then like there'd be certain Discord communica- communities where I'd come through and hang out and go into voice chat and be talking to eight people and it'd be a great way to just sit chill have a good time and yeah. feel like it really it really is like you know you feel like you're hanging out with your friends in a circle yeah. or whatever but via discord i never used it for more than 10 to 50 people but it, this seems like it's more toward more aimed towards classrooms or workplaces or, totally and yeah, that's that the one thing, thing that I, i've seen with discord is that when it got introduced to me, it was such a gamer tool for gamers, and we're you know it is communities and it is chat channels for Destiny and it is this thing and like okay I get all that, but I have seen a shift in the industry of people actually using it yeah. for work and it being like basically Slack where it is you're going in there and having these conversations and then being able to video call people and be able mm-hmm. to do this different stuff. So yeah, good for them. Really good for them. Yeah. Uh, number four on the Roper Report, Ubisoft's up to something, everybody. Not groundbreaking by any imagine, stretch of the imagination, but they're doing two cool things with old properties. Uh, Barrett, would you mind playing this trailer while I talk about it? Yeah. The first, ladies and gentlemen, is a little game called For Honor. Whoa. You might have heard it where you go fight. You remember it's this? game with the swords. Yeah. It is. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Remember that one? And yeah, the, the E3 presentation, guy with the cane and the big beard. Uh, they introduced today Blades of Persia. It is a Prince of Persia crossover. Chapter Whoa. 1 is available right now. Uh, and Chapter 2 will drop on March 19th. Uh, Barrett's tossing up the trailer Did you ever right try now. For Honor? Yeah. Did you like it? I didn't. I did not dig. Uh, can they hear it? They don't need to hear it. Or is, or is it just balanced where we can talk over it and not be the end of the world? Uh, uh, I I played it. We did a, actually. I think a sponsor stream at the very beginning of it. Mm-hmm. I never dug the group battles. There's the prince. What up? Uh, I never dug the group battles, but I really like the one on one stuff. And so, like okay. in group battles, you'd get into one on one fights, but you could also then go and like play solo stuff and run yeah. around that way. I did that, but as with every live service Ubisoft game that yeah. was at launch and I yeah. know it's been re- rebooted and revitalized 15 times since then and has that, was my, that was my thing too where I played it I want to say I played the beta and I was like I can see some of the fun in this but it seems like it, it kind of has a journey to go through before it yeah. becomes great and I like I would like to return to it after it, just dude. to see what it is because I know Get the community has been like growing yeah yeah, it's one of those that, like, I, and that's what I always commend Ubisoft, but other live service providers with, right? Is that they stuck with it and they did find the fun and they did find the community. Yeah, and, they and did this looks really it. cool. Yeah, of course, I love that. And I mean, Ubisoft has such a rich catalog of IP to draw from. It's cool to see them doing stuff in it. Speaking of Gregway, the next one, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Barrett, can you click on that link and show it to them as well? Steven Totilla, who might as well come. Just write this show. I guess email me all the articles from Kotaku <laughs> and his Twitter. Put this one up today. Uh, apparently over on the gear store for Assassin's Creed Odyssey in-game, Ezio's robes have uh, popped up for some kind of community activities. There'll be a reward there through the UB Club to go get uh, Ezio's outfits and get in there and kill it. Barrett, what's that do for you? Eh, I like uh, like I'm going through the series right now, and this is like kind of a typical thing where other characters' robes are available yeah. in like the game that you're playing. Like I'm playing Black Flag on Switch. Which just came out on Switch like a couple months ago, so like a bunch of new people sets. Like you can uh, get Ezio's uh, or Alexios's um, set in there. You can get Ezio's set in there and stuff like that. And I'm like, uh, I don't, I don't really care. You No, because like when I'm playing the Assassin's Creed game that I'm playing, I want to fit the vibe of the character that I'm mm. playing and stuff. Like I'm playing as Edward Kenway. I want him to be a pirate. I don't want like okay. Ezio's Ezio. You know, like. I, I, I wish I could like, help you, but my Cassandra looks like Wonder Woman, and it's awesome. Well, that's you know because I mean? those are sets from the game itself. 
Yeah. It's not like we're dressing up Cassandra as Ezio, you know? Yeah. Because my, my That's Cassandra- cool change it up, man. Yeah, that's right. I got to get back at some point. I know. I'm excited. I'm I, excited I never- to go back to it because, like you guys were saying earlier, of like talking about playing games a lot for work, I only played Odyssey within a span of two weeks for 80 hours. No, oh. no, I put no, an 80 no. hour, like, the, and I was doing that all at home to be able to get to stuff that I re- could record at IGN. Yeah. So, yeah, that was like 80 hours on top of my already 40 hour. And uh, correct me if I'm work. wrong, like, you're the opposite, right? So, when you came in, to, in, like, after all that hard work, Pear, like, put cigarettes out on you, right? And, like, made you work more. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. That sucks, man. Glad we got you. You know, I know. I know you, you saved me. Don't ever fucking forget it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ever fucking forget it. Oh God! Uh, we're we playing Division again. You you were you did that. You I was did... hot on it for a second. I like, know. I Let's do it, mood. dude. It's so good. It's so good. Dude, Black Flag is so good. Black Flag. I, hey, dude. No argument there. I, 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 I ain't gonna search shit on Black Flag. Dude, I'm awesome. just I'm just like fucking sailing around, listening to sea shanties. Up, uh, I love that everyone in this office is playing old brand games. new, amazing, embargoed shit, and Barrett's like, I'm playing all the Zeldas and all the Assassin's <laughs> Creeds. We love you, Barrett. Love you, too. Come back to Division. Come on. I'll try. Kevin never will, you know. Uh, number five, yet another audio video asset for you to click on and show. Uh, Lego plus Mario has been revealed. Whoa. I'm going to read from their press release. Everybody hold on to your horses. It's, it's just what we kind of thought. Neither a video game nor a traditional Lego brick-based set. Lego Super Mario is a new product line that features an interactive Lego Mario figure who collects coins in real-life games le- game levels created with Lego bricks. The new line will let kids experience the playful world of Super Mario like never before. Super Mario will be brought to life in the physical Lego world, and new levels of challenge and styles of play will be part of the iconic Lego experience uh, enjoyed by generations. The news was also with this, this trailer watch right now. Uh, the video, which hints at what fans can expect when Lego Super Mario launches later this year, shows a player using an interactive Mario figure to collect coins in real-life game levels that have been created with the Lego bricks. And they got the no- they got the noises in there. He's got his hearts. He goes woohoo when he touches shit. I love it so much. Really? Yeah. No. This is doing everything. Oh wow. Like, okay. I've never really cared about Legos that much uh, growing up as a kid. Like Legos were never really something I I, I got <laughs> passionate about. Yeah. I do love Mario. Um. And seeing seeing the way the way they did it, where it is like as I guess it's like what LED or wh- whatever like the the animations are on his face and uh, that show like the coins and all the stuff going on in, in the level. I think that stuff is really cool, uh, really awesome, and it's like nice to see that Mario is like universal and timeless. Yeah, of like course. Mario is like stayed with us and has never really gotten stale, yeah. except for like New Super Mario Brothers. But like Damn. kids don't care that Damn. like yeah. But like overall, Mario is, is a franchise and as a character, like s- still awesome, kicking it. Yeah, still yeah. kicking it. Uh, yeah, for me, I I I'm. I, I mean, I wouldn't buy these to begin with, with all due respect. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for looking at the thing, I'm just like, well, how much is – isn't the thing about Legos being able to, to assemble like them into anything you want? Like, in any layout. But, like, you look at that, it's mm-hmm. like, that seems like a pretty prepackaged, like – But, like, you're, you're assembling, like, a level, it seems like. If it, yeah, if you can – and that it, I did notice at the end it says multiple sets shown. Mm-hmm. So you assume you can get levels and mix mix and match and yeah. do whatever. That's cool. And okay. then, you, like, you – like. I know, I know you're not a kid anymore, Greg, but there's this uh, thing right. that kids have called imagination. Sure. And they're going to use that and like go to, to go through love. If I had this as a kid, oh, my God. Your life would be totally I had different. A, at seven years old, I had so much imagination. Yeah? yeah. Not so much now? Dude, no, we would have really. taken Mario on so many different adventures. Dude. And he would have been released, hanging out with like Star Wars characters. If they released like, like, a, like a Zelda set also, I would ooh. like mix them, mix and match and be like, okay, ooh. Zelda, you're going to be like, or not Zelda. Okay, like you're going to be like jumping through the levels. Uh, you can I know, Zelda I know jumping you, through the levels. I know you, know you can do that in Super Mario, Super Mario Maker 2. Yeah, why don't you just play that? Yeah. Because this requires the imagination. Gotcha. Imagination. Okay. Imagination. Uh, everybody look for those soon. How soon? 
I don't know. The press release didn't tell me. I didn't see it. Did JBL see it? I didn't see it. No, I was gonna, I was gonna I use it either. to actually transition over to the list, right? Because yeah. that's a good transition. But then I was like, wait, that's kind of key. Yeah. Information. Whenever it comes out, it's so far away though. Uh, please find a full announcement here later this year. Launching later oh, this oh, year man. is what they gave you. Yeah, that's all they said. That's a shitty thing. Give me a real date. I hate. Do they that. give a price? I might, I might buy this for my nephew. Uh, because here's this is the predicament I'm facing. I'm hearing it. I've been I've been talking to my sister, uh, my old my oldest sister who has uh, two two kids now. Uh-huh. Her oldest is four years old. I no five four. I'm a horrible horrible. God, uncle. You're a bad uncle. <laughs> but he's old enough to where I'm like. I could get you like a 2DS or a Switch, maybe yeah, not a Switch because yeah. he's kind of reckless, but like maybe I can get you some kind of video game thing. 2DS for sure. And my sister, my sister is like, I don't know if I want to get in, him into video games too early, and I'm, I'm kind of trying to push against it. Maybe like a Mario Lego set could help, like, usher that in. Sure. Yeah. You know, start them small, kind of like start how McDonald's Happy Meal toys get you into. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe I can do that. Uh, no prices available later this year. That sucks, and it's so far away blessing if i wanted information that wasn't far away and was more recent say what came to the mom and grab shops today where would i go the official list of upcoming software across each and every platform as listed by the kind of funny games daily show hosts each and every weekday yeah out today neon city riders on playstation 4 xbox one switch and pc bless unleashed on Xbox One. Now, can people stop tagging me <laughs> in everything? <laughs> regarding, this has been happening no, for like a no. year and a half. If I, if I have to get tagged in every fucking Batman... I'll you made your own bet on that. You care about that. You made your own bet on that, all right? This about is Batman. his name. Bless Unleashed just exists. <laughs> and I didn't I mean, know about it. He could change his all. name. I'm just saying. I'm just I guess saying. I could change my name. DJ Max Respect 5 comes to PC. I'm change my name to DJ Max. Hidden Through Time comes to PlayStation 4 and PC. Which, by the way, ding, ding, ding. Hidden Through Time. The one I picked is my... Uh, PlayStation oh, yeah. uh, Network 104 games. It's basically a Where's Waldo. Really? In a video game form. Where, and it shows things at the bottom. It's like, where are these in the photo? I'm like, yes, please. I can't <laughs> wait to find them. Uh, Brotherhood United on Switch. Uh, Hidden in Plain Sight on Switch. Which is different than the other one. Right. Uh, in Bento on Switch. Half Past Fate. Switch in uh, PC. Uh, Street Cat's Tale on Switch. Nin Nin Days on Switch. Mystic Veil on Switch. Shield Maiden on PC. Covert on PSVR. Rico gets its breakout DLC now. Uh, which is, I don't know why I said right now. Round Guard, which did not make any list that I saw, but Tony Baraka wrote in to patreon.com slash games and says, Out today, Spotlight! Today, Wonder Belly Games releases their new game, Round Guard, for PC, Switch, and Xbox One. PS4 is in the future. And I wanted to highlight it for one specific reason. This is a Tim Gettys-ass video game. Oh, man. Round Guard is Peggle meets a roguelike fantasy RPG. Think of it as a medieval pachinko with story and replayability. Pick your character class, warrior, mage, etc. to determine your strengths and special ability. And shoot your circular hero through a pachinko level uh, where you have to complete quests to advance. If you fail or die, you keep the gold you've accrued uh, to power up your next runs. For those of you like Tim wanting an addictive Peggle sequel, try Round Guard. It's out today. P.S. I don't no, I I don't work for nor received anything from Wonderbelly Games. <laughs> I'm just excited for a peg like game after years of not having one. Thanks, Tony Baraka. Uh. Tony Baraka, thank you. I love Peggle. This sounds awesome. I will be buying this. Nice. 100%. I'm in. And then Animal Crossing Pocket Camp uh, Island Excursion Invite Event has started. Fans can prepare for the release of Animal Crossing New Horizons game for the Nintendo Switch system with the newly added Island Excursion Invite Event in Animal Crossing Pocket Camp. 
for smartphone devices. From now until April 1st, players can get an early taste of that relaxing island lifestyle with special in-game events themed after Animal Crossing New Horizon. Participate in uh, Nook Inc.'s fishing tournament to earn in-game rewards for your campsite, catch some crawly critters uh, featured in Animal Crossing New Horizons, and craft stylish island-themed walls and flooring decor, among many fun-themed activities. Do you feel like the crossover between Animal Crossing Pocket Camp and New Horizons <clears throat> is what you would expect given, like, back in the day, or not, not even back in the day. I already know where you're going with the question. Yeah. When, like, when this launched, when, when Pocket, Pocket Camp launched, yeah. not at all. Really? It's not I, enough? I, th- I thought for sure when Pocket Camp launched, when we were all started playing it, and you're like, oh, it's kind of basic. I remember putting it down and being like, <clears throat> I'll come back to it when we're closer to the next Animal Crossing, because mm-hmm. I'm sure I'll be able to bring X, Y, or Z over, and you cannot. Oh, in fact, I think it goes the opposite, right? Where they said in that direct, where things I do in New Horizons, I'll be able to bring. I'm like, what the fuck? Oh. <laughs> Why would no? I don't want that at all. Like, let me get my bells started. Let me get mm. you know no. So yeah, like they said all that, and I was like, huh? Didn't even touch it. And I haven't Dang. talked to Joey about it because I remember a couple months ago, Joey was so desperate for her fix, mm. she started playing Pocket Camp again, and then nothing. <laughs> she gets nothing for it. New dates for you. Uh, Comanche starts or start, starts into early access today. I copied the press release title. Sorry, Comanche is in early access today. Uh, Good Goliath will be launching uh, on PlayStation VR, Oculus, and Vive starting March thirty first. Deals of the day for you: we have some new Epic Game Store freebies. These are available until March nineteenth. You can get Anodyne two, a short hike, and Mutazone. I know. Quite a few people that love a short hike. Dude, people, um, when we were talking game of the year, people talked this thing yeah. up nonstop. I know Alex Van Aken really loves a short hike. Well, it's free now. You can get it on the Epic Game Store. And then March 19th to the 26th, you'll be able to get the Stanley Parable oh. and Watch Dogs. Stanley Parable is great. great I game. love Stanley Parable. You know what else is great? What's that? Reader Mail. Now it's time for Reader Mail. You can write into patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames where you can get the show ad-free. And speaking of ads, Greg Way, this episode of Kind of Funny Games Daily is brought to you by Upstart. As most of us have found out the hard way, getting into debt is easy, getting out is hard, especially if your credit score isn't great. Thankfully, now there's Upstart.com, the revolutionary lending platform that knows you're more than just your credit score and offers smarter interest rates to help you pay off high-interest credit card debt. You know it. When I moved to SF, I needed to take out a loan because I had a whole bunch of shit to pay off, and it had a terrible, terrible interest rate. Upstart would have helped me because Upstart goes beyond the traditional credit score when assessing your credit worthiness. They actually reward you based on your education and job history in the form of smarter interest rates. Upstart believes you're more than just your credit score. They believe in you. They make it fast, simple, and easy to check your rate. Since it's just a soft pull, it won't affect your credit score. The hard pull happens if you accept the rate. The best part, once your loan is approved and accepted, most people get their funds the very next business day. Over 400,000 people have used Upstart to pay off credit cards or meet their financial goals. Free yourself from the burden of high-interest credit card debt by consolidating everything into one monthly payment with Upstart. See why Upstart is top-ranked in their category with a 4.9 out of 5 rating on Trustpilot and hurry to upstart.com slash kfgames to find out how low your Upstart rate is. Checking your rate takes only a few minutes. That's upstart.com slash kfgames. Up next is Mint Mobile. If you're still using one of the big wireless providers this year, have you asked yourself what you're paying for? Between expensive retail stores, inflated prices, and hidden fees, you're being taken advantage of because they know you'll pay. Enter Mint Mobile. Mint Mobile provides the same premium network coverage you're used to, but at a fraction of the cost because everything is online. Mint Mobile saves on retail locations and overhead, then passes the savings on to yo! Tim got this for his mom uh, because he noticed that she was paying for all sorts of bells and whistles that she wasn't using. Why? Mint Mobile makes it easy to cut your wireless bill down to just 15 bucks a month. Every plan comes with unlimited nationwide talk and text. With Mint Mobile, stop paying for unlimited data you'll never use. Choose between plans with 3, 8, or 12 gigabytes of 
LG 4, no, I, I screwed it up. 4G LTE data. It was that thing where I knew I said it wrong to begin with, and I'm like, oh, I can flip yeah. this, and I couldn't flip it. Uh, use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan, and keep the same phone number along with all your existing contacts. Ditch your old wireless bill and start saving with Mint Mobile. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash games. That's mintmobile.com slash games. Cut your wireless bill down to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash games. Finally, it's Brooklinen. Uh, myself, Tim, and so many more of the Kind of Funny members only sleep on Brooklinen sheets because they're the most comfortable sheets in the world. Be like us. You know Brooklinen is the internet's favorite sheets, but they're also home to bedding, loungewear, towels, and more with over 50,000 five-star reviews and counting. I love them because, of course, they are soft, they're beautiful, and they were easy to mix and match online and impress my wife. Uh, Brooklinen was the first direct-to-consumer bedding company. They work directly with manufacturers and directly with customers. No middlemen, so just a great price and service and product. Uh, all luxury products without the luxury markup. Uh, they've moved beyond the bedroom to offer bathroom and life essentials. Towels, shower curtains, bath mats, robes, and candles to add that extra lavish touch. Even ultra-soft loungewear making you feel like you never left the bed. Brooklinen.com is the perfect place to start making small changes that make a big difference. Brooklinen is so confident in their product that all their sheets, comforters, loungewear, and towels come with a lifetime warranty. Go on, make yourself comfortable. Get 10% off your first order and free shipping when you use the promo code GAMES only at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com, promo code GAMES. And, hey, New Yorkers, if you're listening, you can get the Internet's favorite sheets and more in real life. Visit Brooklinen's first store in Brooklyn at 127 Kent Avenue in Williamsburg. Brooklinen, everything you need to live your most comfortable life. Blessing. Yes. We go to Reader Mail. We yeah. find Tommy Boy, who wrote in to patreon.com slash games, just like you can to be part of the show, get the ad-free show, and get the post-show exclusive each and every day. Tommy Boy says, Hey guys, with E3 shifting to an all-digital offer, and it being the age of streaming, is it time to move what would be hands-on demos to streaming platforms? My understanding of the reason you wouldn't traditionally release an E3 demo for home use is that users could crack and data mine the demos. But with streamlining, that w- streaming, sorry, that wouldn't be possible. Is E3 the time for Microsoft to flex its xCloud muscle and show everyone what it's capable of? And more importantly, could Stadia come to the rescue and host third-party demos? I feel like where we're at currently, that would be very complicated. Uh, I think, one, the issue with streaming is that it's still in a place where it's not all the way there yet as far as latency. Yeah. Right? There, there have been some services that have you know, gotten it further there than where it, it has been. But still, I feel like developers would want their games to be demoed at in, in the best way to play it. And so far, streaming is not the best way to play video games. Imagine, yeah, you have a pl- platform or a Twitch-based shooter that you are you are streaming that way and... As us, the people playing it online to talk to the audience about it, mm-hmm. it is that thing of, yep, it didn't feel perfect, but that might have been streaming. Yeah. I don't know. Like, and then it, oh, it did totally stutter. It did totally crash. I don't know. Yeah, that's the. I feel like that's already been the conversation whenever we whenever we do demo things that are streaming. Like I remember demoing Doom Eternal on Google Stadia at PAX West and being like, man, yeah, like the game is really cool. And there are like some stutters, but I don't know if that was the game or if that was Stadia, right? And I feel like that conversation would come into play if we, if demoing moved right now into the streaming space. Yeah. I think also like there is the, there's different platforms and how they would handle it. And so Xbox, for sure, for Xbox games, they would stream via xCloud. But I don't know if PlayStation would really want to go that route for 
for their like if they have exclusive games that they want to demo because that's ne not necessarily where the biggest focus is at. Whereas for Xbox, X, X Cloud is a thing that they're pushing in that way. Google Stadia, obviously, like all their things are streaming, so th that is gonna yeah. that, that that can work for them in a way it's not gonna work for others. But then you get into like third parties, and it's like okay, Ubisoft. It, does Ubisoft create their own proprietary streaming platform, or do they move to XCloud, or do they go with NVIDIA, or, like, if they want to show off a game on PlayStation, how are they going to go about that? Like, what does that then look like? I feel like right now things are way too complicated to say, and even, like, in the future, I don't know if that would... I, I feel like that wouldn't necessarily work, right? I feel like uh, publishers and, and, and studios and developers would still prefer flying press out to come play their game yeah. at, at a site rather than demoing through a stream because there's just so much complications there i don't think you'll see this happen at this e3 i think you'll have a better shot at this happening at the game awards whatever that is yeah and then in the wake of 2020 and how weird this year has been i think next year's e3 is when you would really see the return of demos and stuff i say this yeah the data mining thing you're talking about tommy boy is a huge issue right i think that there's going to be solutions to that I think that everybody's probably on their heels right now trying to figure out how to save E3, and they weren't anticipating this being canceled this way, so they aren't ready. The biggest thing, I think, and I talked about this a bit yesterday, and again, I'm Greg Miller. I'm a complete moron. I only know what I've personally experienced and the few things I've talked to with developers, right? The demo you play at a PAX, uh, uh, you know, the demo you play at an E3 is not optimized at all to go onto a store it's running on different hardware whether that be a giant dev kit ps4 which is basically just a computer whether it be in the best case scenario a ps4 or ps4 test kit which we have in the other room but no no longer use really right mm -hmm. in my day and age as an old man remember it was that like we i when i started at ign my desk was non-stop hardware it was a monitor, it was a PSP, it was my PlayStation 2, it was my PlayStation 2 test kit. It was my PS3, it was my PS3 test kit. And the test kits could run burned discs. So what would happen for review codes is you would get a manila envelope that you would open and open it up and there would just be a burned disc and on it would be written you know, Persona 4 or whatever and you'd pop it in and play it. Then as we went digital... PS3 started for me, and again, I'm, you know, I'm sure this is similar to Xbox. We'd have to get McCaffrey on to talk about it. I was obviously on the PlayStation team in this era. You know, you get P PKG files that you would put onto a USB that you plug into the PS3 and mm. then down, you know, copy over there. Same thing for my PlayStation 4 test kit now. You do that, you plug it in, you, you copy over the thing, and you do it that way. The PKGs are used, for the most part, as internal test builds. Uh, we're taking it to a live show. Or you're going to uh, down to PlayStation and you're going to play them there. Test kits like and sharing demos and stuff is so rare these days, and it'll happen when we have an indie come by that want to show something. It's easier to send it that way, but it's so rare to have that anymore. That that test kit I would say that we've had since starting kind of funny in 2015 for the PlayStation 4, we've used less than 10 times. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like I, we just don't use it that way, and so. When we take it to the example I'm taking you on a very long road to get to, I don't think the PKGs and the files and the stuff they're doing right now are optimized or even available to run on a retail PlayStation 4 or Xbox One. I think that that is a special kind of build that is not going to be prepared that you could flip a switch and say, all right, there's no E3. We still want to put out this demo. Let's do it that way. Mm -hmm. And so I think even for streaming, and this is where I'm really out and talking out my ass, but I think I'm right. They talk about that. The Xbox Ones that are in the cloud for Xbox, right, are the supers, beefiest, Azure, all this jazz. But they're talking about them being retail Xboxes. 
they're not talking about them being <coughs> Xbox test kits. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, as not being a developer or a smart man, what the difference is there. But I think it's the same thing that even... This sounds awesome, Tommy. I agree with you. That'd be awesome to see Xbox be like, let's fucking flip some switches and do it there and everybody can just stream it and yeah. try this game out. I don't, it's, I'm not saying it's beyond the realm of possibility that it could happen at this E3 showcase, or the, yeah, this E3 showcase, I guess. Mm-hmm. I just don't think they were planning on that, so I don't know if they're ready. If they yeah. were planning, sure. For Stadia, what you're talking about is the exact same thing, right? For Stadia, that would be an amazing idea that Google hasn't gotten uh, basic arithmetic right yet with mm. Google Stadia, let alone to get into long division. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, they haven't figured out, like, a consistent pipeline of new games yet. They you know, they don't have a reason for you to jump into Stadia and do this thing. And then, you know, we, you just talked about it yesterday. Like, Doom Eternal is not true 4K. Or whatever. It's just like, yeah, they keep stepping on all the rakes in their front lawn. They aren't ready to jump. If Stadia had come out and been awesome and everybody accepted it, that would be, yep, you're 100% yeah. right. And I like, can see them in that case, like, you know, approaching Google Stadia, approaching maybe PlayStation or approaching Steam or approaching different companies and being like, hey, we'll handle this for you in this meantime while demoing games is becoming like you can't really you can't have everybody come to e3 or come to events to demo the ps5 for example we'll we'll step in and do that do that for you i think that is where we're at now as far as the new consoles coming out makes that super difficult too totally because now like you have boxes that you want people to have their hands on and really be able to test out and doing that through streaming is not it's not it's not really an adequate way to do that because not not that like believability isn't there like not not that if playstation were like hey we're gonna stream this since we don't want people to come out like i feel like that's just that's just a weird thing i feel like it'd it'd be more likely for a playstation to send consoles and um as opposed to like having people do that through internet yeah so yeah i don't know it'll be interesting how it all does streaming could be a, a really great viable solution but i don't think it'll be a solution in 2020 i think that's something you do in 2021 because you have to build out so many different things for that Blessing. Yes. Let's kick up our heels. Squat up, take the bench. Today it's a required reading. Uh, Jason Schreier at Kotaku put up an article today. As Naughty Dog crunches on The Last of Us 2, developers wonder how much longer this approach can last. As always with required reading, we won't read the entire article. We're telling you to go over to Kotaku, read this article from Jason. However, I will read to you the first three graphs. The link is in the uh, description below. The link is in the description below. Do you want to throw the article up too? Just for visual aids. One Friday night last month, some artists at the video game studio Naughty Dog were working on their latest game when they heard a crash. A large metal pipe had fallen from above them and landed right next to their desks. If it had dropped a few feet closer, the consequences might have been dire. It was late, past 9 p.m., and the construction workers above had perhaps recklessly assumed that nobody was there. But at Naughty Dog, people were always there. The owners of the building reacted quickly. Firing the construction team, hiring a new one, and installing new safety measures to ensure that an accident like that wouldn't happen again. To some Naughty Dog employees, however, it was emblematic of an unhealthy culture. The type of environment where a late-night construction accident might take place while people were still at the office. The Last of Us Part 2, the studio's new PlayStation 4 game about people trying to survive in a post-apocalyptic United States, will be out on May 29. Today, as many of the developers at Naughty Dog put in nights and weekends at the office to finish the game, some continue to ask themselves a question that has haunted the studio for years. Is it worth it? As one Naughty Dog developer recently told me, this game is really good, but at a huge cost to the people. Uh, Obviously, again, head over there, read this. It's another one, try with a whole bunch of different sources uh, from Naughty Dog talking about what it's like to work there, what's going on. Uh, Fascinating read. Yeah, I I read most of it. 
Um, it's a very long article, and so I wasn't yeah. able to finish it before the the show started. But uh, yeah, it seems like a lot of it was the fact that like, or a lot of a, a lot of the issues there stem from the things that that we've kind of talked about in the industry over the last sure. few years of culture and how even if it's not mandated, like ma- like overtime isn't mandated, the, it is still supported through things like hey, like my this animator here is working on a thing, um, or let's say I'm an, I'm an animator and I need to get this thing done for another employee who's, who, uh, needs my animation in order to do their job, but I'm not going to finish it until like 11 PM. So they have to stay until 11 PM. Right. Right. right, It's it's small, like ripple effects like that. Um, and a lot of cases like that, that are then causing for people to have to crunch and people to have to, to, to stay late. And then through that, they are then losing a lot of employees. Um, yeah, it's, it sucks. It's what Jason talks about in the article too, right? This idea that, Somehow, for Naughty Dog and the people he's talking to, this crunch culture is so wrapped up in what makes Naughty Dog Naughty Dog, yeah. and what makes their games ten out of tens, and what makes them the front runner, obviously for mm-hmm. first party studios, let alone probably the industry and yeah. what you can accomplish. He references like the small details, like shooting a a a bag of of grain and then that grain falling out of the bag, right? Yeah. Like that small detail, uh, or small details like that, then feed into. <clears throat> The whole culture and like the the ways in which you talked about like okay is like is this worth it or or like how how does this level of detail then affect our workers um and like how how do they strike that balance and it seems like there might not even be a way to strike that balance which is yeah. something that kind of that kind of sucks but yeah people should read this article i think it goes into some uh really revealing like things about and interesting it, topics of discussion I yeah think, you know what i mean that's where gondor's condor writes in of course a squad up a uh, success story I wrote into me to let me know how email me let me know how uh, well it went from squad up and up i digress this time gondor's condor wrote in patreon.com slash kind of funny games it says greetings kind of funny team jason schreier has struck again this time illustrating naughty dog's crunch culture this <laughs> geez, this is at least the third article pertaining to AAA crunch culture since the end of 2018 starting with rockstar on red dead 2 and bioware with anthem how do you morally reconcile playing these video games, and how can we try to make it better for developers, no matter how small of a movement? Bless, mm-hmm. you're new here since this is, I mean, since these crunch stories. Yeah. I feel like I've talked about crunch a long time on a lot of these episodes. Mm-hmm. How do you reconcile it? I mean, for playing the game specifically, this is the thing I've talked about a little bit um, on the show already, but for me, when it comes to the choice of not playing a video game versus playing a video game because of studio culture or because of bad actors at certain studios. Yeah. Like for me, the thing that I always I always try to keep in mind is that even the people that are experiencing crunch, the workers that are, ex- that are experiencing crunch, they don't hate the game. Now, granted, there are some quotes in there that are like, "Oh yeah, some people want want the game." Like some people dislike this experience so much that they want the game to fail. Like there are those people pe- people there, but then there are also people that do work on this thing and do have passion for it. Like that's why that's why you have those details in there. Like when you shoot the bag and the grain of salt yeah, yeah, yeah. flies out or like the um when you're hiding behind cover is Nathan Drake and the cover disintegrates as people are shooting at it. Like those are layers of love for a lot of people. And for me, like I try to not disregard the fact that so many people have put in so much hard work into a thing. Uh, I, in some cases, I'd feel bad about like being like, oh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna play this because I don't want to support this developer, despite people working here actually being passionate about this thing. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of how I reconcile it is by recognizing that like, you know, a studio is more than the issues with the studio, and the studio is made of people. And those people oftentimes 
you know, love the work, love the studio, yeah, totally. love all this stuff. Um, as far as like how do how do we try to to make it better for these developers? I think being vocal. Yeah. I think you know articles like this help people. Uh, being vocal on social media or, you know, being vocal in, in, in comments and being like, then don't be, don't be uh, toxic, right? Don't come out and like cuss out developers and don't come out and uh, be an idiot on the internet, but be vocal about, hey, like we want good for, we want good for developers. We uh, bring stuff like this, when bring stuff like this up whenever you can um, and making sure people are, are aware of what's going on, I think is really the, the best that we can do as an audience. And so that's kind of where I fall on it. Yeah, 100%, right? Is I think that crunch has been part of the industry for so long that it's not obviously a light switch. You get to flip and be over with it. Mm. And, you know, there's so many different arguments to it and what constitutes crunch. From You know, I, I, I still think we play fast and loose with crunch where I think some people, you know, oh, man, they, they say crunch like it's a badge of honor. And it's, well, it's like there's crunch and there's mandated crunch. You know what I mean? There's there's crunch that you want to be there till 11 o'clock and work. That's when you get, like... There's so many different things. Yeah, to like it. even reading this article, there are like certain points where I was like, okay, that doesn't seem too bad. And then I read the next line, I'm like, okay, that's bad. Exactly, and that's <laughs> the thing, right? Like, there's overtime, and there's and like there's and not and not even for night. I'm talking about in generals and compensations and how this all works. Like, there's things going on there. I think the biggest part of it is your nail on the head, right? Is it's multifaceted. Of like, no, these people are working on this game because they love it. They want it to be received. They want it to be successful. I'm not gonna not play it because they crunched. I am going to talk about the fact that I don't want you to crunch. I, and I don't want mm-hmm. you to crunch beyond your limits. I want you, if you want to work till whatever, I, I think that's your right. I think that your studio, your office, your boss needs to step mm. in and tell you, yes, no, maybe, you know, what are you doing? Get out of here, whatever this kind of thing. Like, if that's how you're doing it, I'm not going to get into how that artist creates because I'm not, that, I'm not yeah. that artist, right? I do. I don't like mandatory crunch. I don't want mandatory crunch. Yeah. I want the people to have a work-life work like, balance. As like a culture, like I think I want lot- them to be re- rewarded for uh, if they are having to go above. Yeah, and beyond. like compens- compensation for that for sure. Yeah. Whether it is like I, I mean, preferably like pay, of right? Course, yeah. Or like you know, letting people take time off, all, all all that good stuff, all the stuff you need to to maintain a healthy studio. It seems like a lot of this also stems from bad management in terms of. I think I read somewhere in the article uh, about Naughty Dog not hiring producers uh mm-hmm. in order to and, and, and them encouraging the workers to be their own producers right and what a producer would do in a studio would be they would be the ones to manage the different departments and make sure that their the communication between departments and workflow is good um naughty dog apparently just didn't didn't do that uh which led to like a lot of miscommunication led to a lot of work being uh done or a lot of work being done and not used right or sure yeah like, things that, yeah yeah like a like an animator i keep saying animator but that's like the thing i keep going <laughs> that's to. the one guy you know that <laughs> yeah. does any kind of or like video in, game in, stuff. you know somebody who who created an asset would work on that asset for three weeks and then by the third week realize that that asset is not being used because of a decision being made in another um section of the company um being made and not communicated adequately yeah. like stuff like that sucks and stuff like that needs to be fixed because that is leading that is then leading to this whole this whole culture and that's been a thing that's been happening for a while but like this whole this article goes in on um uncharted 4 and kind of explains like the whole process of making uncharted 4 and amy leaving and yeah, Bruce yeah. leaving at, like and that's also that. in uh, jason's book uh, blood sweat and pixels yeah and so like this isn't a new thing for naughty dog it's a thing that's been happening yep. for a while and it seems like it is a result of <coughs> bad ma- bad management uh bad uh or not encouraging a better culture of work and then also people leaving and that then leaving holes holes that need to be filled in terms of work. Um, 
So yeah, they have like a, a, a lot of work to do. And like you said, it's not like a light switch thing where all yeah. of a sudden it's like crunch is gone. But, you know, shout out to Jason for bringing all this to light. 100%. Yeah. I think that's how you enact change is that we have these conversations and have it brought to light for people to figure out if like have a conversation with naughty dogs right internally yeah of like are we pushing you is this not how to do how do you make it better and then us as gamers to be like delay the game and it, but the problem is that you could delay and the game inevitably there's always yeah, gonna be people who want to work overtime that's and another thing play. jason touches on is that like you know delaying the they did delay the game and that didn't help yeah and if they del- delayed the game again that still wouldn't help because that doesn't change the culture that gives them more time to work on the game but the game the game gets delayed because it has to get delayed because them crunching isn't doing enough to then yeah. put the game out. No. So that's why the game gets delayed. It's a complicated issue. Yeah, it's complicated. Ladies and gentlemen, we ask people watching live on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames to go to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. Tell us what we screw up as we screw it up. Uh, we were good about answering them as we went. Then a lot of editorializing. That's not the place for this. You go to patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames. Uh, Borison does point out there was some breaking news today. There are three more games, ladies and gentlemen, coming to Google Stadia. Oh. Tom Clancy's The Division 2 with the new Warlords of uh, New York expansion. The Crew 2 arrive on March 25th. And then, game of the year, Monopoly. Oh. April 28th. The Manaps! game you've been waiting for. By Can't the way, wait. I've been watching trailers for Bless Unleashed. This game doesn't look that bad. Oh, damn, really? Yeah, All it's right. like a Bandai Namco published uh, MMO for the Xbox One exclusively, which I find to be Can we get you in it somehow? Get me in? Yeah. Here's the thing. If Bless Unleashed wants to, wants to reach out to me to do like... A hashtag sponsored uh, thing. Can, uh, can we get a one shot on this so Bless can uh, yeah. pitch himself to Bless Unleashed, please? Bless Unleashed. We have one thing in common: our names. All right. I'm Bless. You're Bless. You're Unleashed. I'm Unleashed. Listen, we can work together. All right. People always tweet at me whenever you guys put out one of your Twitter posts or whatever, one of your your advertisements, whatever, one of your trailers. People always tag me in them, and I'm gonna be honest, I'm tired of it. But for a little bit of that moolah, I could be less tired of it. So let me know. So let me know. Hashtag sponsor. Yeah, perfect, perfect. I, I feel like you had them in the first half. And then, like, you're really, really <laughs> going to lie. lie. <laughs> they got to that last one. They were like, fuck this kid. Yeah, no. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that's Kind of Funny Games Daily. Tomorrow, it will be Blessing and Tim running the show over here. Remember, you can watch live twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games. You can watch later youtube.com slash Kind of Funny Games. Roosterteeth.com. Podcast services around the globe uh no matter what go to patreon.com slash kind of funny games you can get the show ad free you can submit your questions and you could stay tuned for the post show we're about to do right now until next time oh we didn't talk about this either are we no longer shaking hands either like you and gary i mean i can shake hands okay, gary's cool. the one who's concerned gotcha well i'm we're for the record we're all concerned <laughs> but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna like shake your hand and oh touch yeah myself. i wash my hands so. yeah i did too before this yeah all okay. right cool until next time ladies and gentlemen take care of yourself and it's been our pleasure to serve you <laughs>